0: One of the things I have been enjoying and um, is seeing all of your kids as they as they learn to walk as they get steady on their feet it's uh, it's just a lot of fun uh, watching them wobble around the lobby and uh, toddle along um, you know as you walk with them uh, just this morning I was coming out and Landon was here uh, his mom Julie was singing on a on music team and Landon was. Here. <laughs> and started getting her purse or something. And as soon as she said his name, whoosh, the kid just snaps right around. And, and I thought, man, what, just, you know, here's a, another little guy, you know, we've been praying for him and stuff. And uh, before he was even born. And just to see, just to see, you know, he, he's still a little guy and a toddler and all that. But, uh, it's just been so much fun, um, you know, to, to be able to see that. Uh, it, uh, I think that was last week, not not this past week, but the week before we went to went out to watch um, our grandson Michael in his first cross country type meet now he 's just in third grade, so you know cross country is a relative term. Uh, they really only ran a mile, but what they did was kind of nice. They started him on the track, four laps around a track roughly is a mile. Well, what they did is um, they started him on the track, and then they ran off through some grass you know and stuff in in the field a little bit, and came back and finished on the track so it was kind of fun, but to be able to watch him do that um, and when I watched him, I was thinking back to the time when you know he was just learning to walk and the wobbling and stuff that you know that went on for him uh, and and I, I was just I thought how much he's grown you know and how how far beyond those first steps. He actually has come. And I was also thinking about how much better he's, if he continues, you know, in the cross country, he's in a running club, that's why they were doing this. And I thought, how much better he's going to get. So, for, cause for part of, for part of this as he was running through the field, I was running alongside of him because he was getting tired and I thought, yeah, that's not going to happen long. You know, I mean, he, he, he thinks, you know, I won't be able to keep up. There's no way I'm going to be able to keep up with him if he continues to do this. You know, right now I can. Um, I run pretty good apparently for a third grader. <laughs> at least, at least for a short distance. And, uh, you know, so as I was watching that and I thought, you know, how, how just to watch this progress. And things, Um, and and these thoughts all came back to me as I was studying the passage we're going to look at today. Because what we're going to look at, we're going to look at the first steps of Jacob's faith. And as we do that, we're going to see what we can learn about faith, and and also what we can do to continue to grow in our relationship with Christ. You see, we want to get beyond wobbling and toddling with you know in our walk with God, our relationship with God. We want to get beyond that that's what we're going to look at a little bit. Let's pray and then we'll get into the passage. Father, thank you so much uh for for life and what it means and life with you which brings a whole new dimension to living. Uh how do we how do we make that adjustment? How is it that we uh, we don't want to just keep toddling along like like we're just learning this stuff. We want to get we want to, we want to get better. We want to be more for you. We want to grow in you. We need your help. So help now as we look into your word, make it real, make it alive, make it uh, very, very uh, clear. I'll be talking about different things, but you're going to apply it to people's lives because you know their situation so much better than I ever could. And uh, you know what's going on and what's happening. So bring your spirit to bear in a very clear way in each heart now. Uh, Thank you for the honor the time the privilege to be able to sit and listen and, and be a part of your word and your speaking to us. Uh, do that as only you can, we pray. In Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 28. If you have a, a Bible, feel free to turn there. I'm going to be reading from the Holman Christian Standard. That's the Bible that's in the PUREC rack in front of you. So if uh, you prefer to look at what I'm reading, you can turn to page 24 uh, as we do that. I'm going to read the whole passage today of what we're looking at, and but I will be referring back to it. So you might want to keep it open a little bit. This talks about Jacob. When we think of Jacob, sometimes we think of a man of faith, a man of great faith. Uh, he's one of the patriarchs. He's one of, in the scripture passage we looked at this morning, uh, Jesus referred, you know, referring back to you know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and and as as that example of good solid faith. Uh, he's the father of the nation of Israel. You know, Israel is named after him. He's mentioned three times in, in Hebrews 11, which is also lo- often looked at as the um, hall of fame for faith. And he's three different times he's mentioned there. But back here in Genesis 28, um, you know, we where we've been studying up to this point, he doesn't have a relationship with God yet. You know, and we think, what, you know, wasn't he born with her? No, he wasn't. You know, nobody is. But uh, he doesn't have a relationship with God yet. There's no evidence of faith at all in his life. In fact, it's quite the opposite as you look at. Because what we see here is we, we see him sneaking. We see him conniving. We see him lying. Uh, you know, a total opposite of what you would think. Some would even say that he was cheating to get his own way, to get any advantage he possibly can. By his own abilities, by his own ingenuity, is uh, far, far from a picture of faith. Uh, but here in chapter 28, we see a little bit of wobbling, a little bit of toddling, some of these first steps of faith. I'm going to start in verse 10, so drop down to verse 10 of chapter 28. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. Uh, he took one of the stones from the place and put it at his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground with its top reaching to heaven and God's angels were going up and down on it. Yahweh was standing there beside him saying, I am Yahweh, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your offspring the land that you are now sleeping on. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out toward the west, the east, the north, and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid, and he said, What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that was near his head and set it up as a marker. He poured oil on top of it and named a place Bethel, though previously it was named Luz. Then Jacob made a vow. If God be with me and watch over me on this journey, if he provides me with food to eat and with clothes to wear, and I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. The stone that I have set up as a marker will be God's house, and I will give you a tenth of all that you give me. Now we're gonna stop there. You know, it's with the blessing of his parents that Jacob leaves Beersheba and begins to head to the land of his ancestors, Haran. He is stepping outside of that land. He will be, he's not yet, he will be stepping outside of that land that promised to his, It his father Abraham, it's his grandfather, but you know, that they, the, the, all the generations that are there so you know, to Abraham, to Isaac, and it's promised to them and he'll be stepping out of there. Now, Rebecca, his his mother, Jacob's mother, wanted Jacob to go so that Jacob could get away from his brother Esau, who wanted to kill him. That's really why Rebecca wanted him to go. We looked at that last week, last couple of weeks we've been looking at this. Uh, the reason we're told that Isaac agreed to let Jacob go uh, to Haran was to get a wife. Well, when I'm looking at these passages and I look at it in the broader context of what we've been studying, I can't help but think that perhaps Isaac was wanting, uh, you know, Jacob to go with the thought that maybe Jacob wouldn't return and then you see Esau would be the, would be the heir in residence, if you will, with, the, at the promised land. If you remember, he favored, he favored Esau, Rebecca favored Jacob. Now that's simply a thought based, based on Isaac's previous attitudes and actions. The scripture doesn't tell us other than he's, when, when his wife said, send the boy back, you know, to the family to get a wife, I can't stand these, these Hittite women. Uh, he says, okay, you know, and, uh, but, you know, when we look at his character, you kind of got to wonder. Well, Beersheba to Haran, that trip is 550 miles. It would have taken him over a month to complete that. They, you know, they didn't have the bus, the plane, the train. Uh, they didn't have the car. They pretty much were walking. You know, and as a long trip. Beersheba to Bethel here where he where he stops, Luz as it's called, when he was stopping there, that was about 60 miles. And even that trip would have taken him several days. And it's there, you know, at Bethel that he has a dream. Now, just a bit of historical data for you. We find it strange that Jacob would use a rock for a pillow. Um, that's because we say pillow and we think pillow. Pillow. Um, He didn't use it for a pillow. He used it as a as a headrest. That was not at all uncommon for you know folks in those days to use something solid as a headrest while sleeping. Archaeologists have uncovered these. This is this is one two of their of their headrests. They you can you can find tons of pictures of these things, uh, you know, online. Uh, Some are very plain, like the one on your left. I do see it 's still on the left here uh, yeah, stone it's stone, you know, and the one on on the right is uh well it 's not stone i don 't know if it's gold or what, but you know so that they have but either one of them and not very soft um they you can still get pictures in modern um, mid as i say mid east modern you know, Africa and even over into the mid east where they're they are laying down sleeping and they got their head in one of these wooden things you know like that and it gives me a headache to look at it you know what i'm thinking dude why would you want that pressure in the back of your head like that that is just uh so anyway he you know while jacob is sleeping he has a dream and it's probably because he has his head on a rock. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I just, that's what I was thinking. Well, in his dream, it says he saw a stairway. You know, some say, you know, some of your translations may say ladder. It's more, they had, they had cigarettes. We looked at this. If you remember back when we, if you remember back eight years ago when we were going over, I think it was, it was nine years ago when we were going over chapter 11. For those of you who are visiting, it hasn't taken me. I haven't been in this for 11 years. We took a break. Um, we talked about the ziggurat when they were at the tower of babel when they were when they were going when they were building you know this tower and and they had it that's a ziggurat which which was basically a pyramidish type shaped thing where they would have a stairway that started at the ground and it went up well basically as high as they could get it and on top there was this little room generally uh the thought was god we think of when we when I say that we think of God as in God. Uh, they were thinking it as in well, this local deity, you know, this god of of uh, laws, this god of of. Uh, you know, of Beersheba, this god of the sun, this god of the heart. Whoever it was that they needed to contact would come down and be in this little house. They could run up the stairs and kind of meet with him. That was, that was their thinking. So when you see this here and it, and it talks about this, you know, this stairway street, stretching from heaven down to earth, you know, and then it says the angels, notice the angels, it says we're going up and down on the stairway. Uh, this is, they very clearly see this as a gateway that in their minds this was a connection to heaven. You see, it symbolizes the, the genuine uninterrupted fellowship between the God in heaven and the people on earth. And this is the picture that is there for them. You know, this is a picture of the ministry that Jesus would be bringing to earth in a fuller, more complete way. In 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, you know, there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, Christ Jesus. Now, Jesus had a very interesting conversation with Nathaniel at the very beginning of his ministry in John chapter 1. It says, as Nathaniel's coming to him, he says, Rabbi Nathaniel replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe, that, do, you, do you believe only because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? Now here, notice what it says. He says, you'll see greater things than this. I assure you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Jesus is using that same picture that we see here back in Genesis 28, where Jacob is having has this dream of this stairway stretching from, from earth, stretching up into heaven, and the angels ascending and descending. And Jesus says here, I assure you, you will see this. You're going to see heaven open. You are going to see this gateway. You are going to see this connection to heaven that was a familiar picture to them. You know, as as they, I mean, they were Jews and they knew these stories. They knew the they these were things were not uncommon to them. And to have this, and, and he says, you, the, here it is. You know, he's Jesus is telling him very clearly. He's our gateway, our connection to heaven through faith in Him. There it is, that gateway, that connection. When we have a relationship with Christ, we have uninterrupted fellowship with God. But what is pictured there. Now Jacob identifies God as the God of his father Abraham. Did you notice? That's how he identifies him—the God of his grandfather Abraham and of his own son Isaac as well. As I was looking at this and I was thinking of it, you know, a beginning, a first step, is really that I begin to see God through others that I know. That's how I begin. That's how we begin to see God. Jacob did not have a relationship with God yet. He did not have a relationship with him. He recognized, though, he recognized God as the one that his father and his grandfather had a relationship with. That's how he recognized him. He recognized him because of his father and his grandfather. Now, if you were raised in a Christian home, your first understanding of God came through your parents' relationship with God. That's how your first understanding of God came to you as you watched your parents and how they related to God, how their relationship to God was. That was your first understanding of having a relationship with him. And now your, your children and your grandchildren's first steps toward a relationship with God are coming from how they see you relate in your relationship to God. It's always interesting when you're talking about God and spiritual things, and you and you hear these noises like just fall out of heaven. That's you're you're, you're you are right now. You know, for all of us, those beginning steps toward a relationship with God came by how we saw others and how how we those others that we knew and how they related to God, we need to grasp this and understand it that you know even now our relationship with God is influencing others you know toward a relationship with God. Your kids are going to begin at least they're going to begin to relate to God as they say you relate to him now they will get to a point where they will either pursue that further or or you know. Possibly turn and walk away uh but they are going to begin by how they see you relating how they see others in your family relating you see if you if you uh, if you have a relationship to god and and you know you maybe your parents don't your children your parents' grandchildren are going to look and they're going to see how grandma and grandpa relate to god why well because I love grandma and grandpa and what they do is important and matters. So you see, it's how we see, how they see others relating to God. That's what begins, that's, that's what begins to give them some of these first steps there. And the Lord here, he speaks to Jacob, he tells Jacob the promise, he says, there'll be many offspring, you're going to get this land that you're sleeping on. These are the same promises that were made to his father Isaac, the same promises that were made to his grandfather Abraham. It's the same thing unfolding. These, these, these words here, it seems more definitely related, you know, specifically to Jacob to see the fulfillment of them in, in his lifetime. You know, maybe we just read into that a little bit because we know the rest of the story, you know, as, as it unfolds. Uh, but it, it, to me it's another, it's another picture, you know, another thing as I'm thinking about the first steps with God. You know, it's, it's one of those is that I, I begin to understand that God's word is to me. Because while Jacob is, while Jacob is seeing him as, as the father, you know, the God of my, of my grandfather Abraham, the God of my father Isaac, and then he's, and then this God who he sees now as, as someone else's God is now speaking to him. And telling him those same promises that he would have that, that that he would have many offspring. That he would have this land that he was sleeping on, and he begins to understand that God's word was to him not just to his grandfather and his father, but that God's word was to him at all. That his promises they become more understandable as I see that His word is speaking to me. That it's not just the God of my father, it's not just the God of my grandfather, but it's 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 you know no longer for just for someone else. It's no longer just my parents and my grandparents. It's God's word, and it's God's word to me now. And God promises to be with Jacob and to and to fulfill all of the other promises that were made to Abraham and that were made to Isaac as well. Jacob wakes up. He attributes the dream to God as a communication to him, not simply a weird dream. I don't know about you. People ask me sometimes, you know, does God communicate through dreams? He can. You know, he can. But I really hope he doesn't communicate that What some of my dreams, that it's not God communicating to me because they're really weird. You know, they're really weird. Uh, And and one one, one that sticks out in my mind, you know, is, is Jason Skinner. Before he had a driver's license and he was driving his pickup truck across the field and I was on the hood of the pickup truck and I was holding on and he's driving through this field in Dalton, Illinois, where I grew up. And he's riding through that field like a maniac through there. And I'll tell you, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. You know, that's just not something I want to live through. So does he communicate through dreams? God can't, but my dreams are usually pretty weird. You know, they're just, they're just weird. Uh, and God's not weird. You know, so anyway, you know, here he is and, and he's, he's making these promises. He attributes his dream to it. And now Jacob also admits to not realizing that God was in this land. He says, God was really here. I didn't know it. I didn't know it, but he was really here. You see, they saw deities as local. They did not see deities as universal. Uh, when you read in the Old Testament, don't think that they were all, you know, that they all only believed in one God. They didn't. Abraham was, Abraham, was, well, he, he believed it when he first before he had his encounter with God, he was a polytheist. He believed in many gods. You know, they they worshipped idols, and they were they were taken out of that. God was calling them out of that. And what you have here is the people all around him, and everyone they still would see deities as local. They're not universal. They're, they weren't, did not, certainly didn't seem as omnipresent. You know, present everywhere. They didn't see that as happening. And notice here, God tells Jacob, He says, "I will be with you." Wherever you go. You're leaving this, this land. He's getting ready to step out of this land that was promised to him and his people. He's getting ready to step out of that land. And they're thinking God was staying behind. He's saying, I'm going to be with you wherever you go that is a huge contrast to their pagan deities they were they were thought you know to to attach to certain localities uh, to specific issues you know it was either the sun the harvest you know uh, the, the moon rain etc whatever it is you see another another first step is that i begin to believe i begin to realize that god is with me he's with me I remember, yeah, I was many of you know, some of you know, and I was I was raised Roman Catholic. I believed in God. I believed that uh, he died on the cross for sins. Here's the thing. It was for, you know, it was just big brush stuff for me at that point. You know, there was no specific application in my life. It was, well, of course he died for sins, you know. Doesn't everybody know that? Well, I realized everybody didn't. But, you know, it was this it was big, and I didn't make this connection here. That it was with me. And when you people, when I say you people, those of you who weren't Catholic and who knew Christ and had a relationship with him, and when people would begin to talk to me about that and you know, his personal relationship with him and all this stuff, and not only did I think, you know, that you that were a little weird, but I always used to think, well, what about the rest of us? Well, see, there there was the point. (laughs) There was the point they were trying to make to me. God is with me. That doesn't mean he's not with you. Well, he's not if you don't have a relationship with well. If you choose not to have a relationship with him, you're on your own. That's not the place you want to be. You see. But to get to that place, this is the this is some of the beginning steps of faith to realize that he is with me. He's with me. It's not just, it's not just this, you know, this, this, this big universal thing. It's not even this little locale thing. It's, he's with me. And in response, notice Jacob names that spot Bethel. In, in English, we would call this a compound word, you know, meaning house of God. Some of you have a, a, a footnote in your Bible telling you that. The, the L here is from Elohim. Bethel. Elohim. Uh, that's a more generic term for God. It's not a personal. It's not personal. It's a generic term. You know, it's that broad brush stroke like I had in my mind. It's that broad brush stroke. And what we see here, then Jacob begins to make a vow in verse 20, but he still seems pretty skeptical. You know, he's, he, he begins to list out all of these things he expects from God before he will commit himself to God. He, you know, he, he says, I, I, I want God, you know, if he watches over me, you know, if he, if he watches over me while I'm on my journey, he still has, he still has, you know, a month, a month worth of, of, of walking to do here. He still has a long journey ahead of him. He says, if he's with me during this, and notice he wants God to provide him with food to eat and clothes to wear. He says, if God does this for me, and he, he wants God to make sure that he returns safely to Beersheba. You know, not only do you have to get me there, God, I want you to get me back. This is what I want from you. And he's laying all these things out. Too often, you know, as I'm looking at these, too often our request of God focus on our material gain. You know, it focuses on our recovery, you know, our health, our success, and whatever we're trying, and that we would have pleasant circumstances, you know, along the way as we go, other things along these same lines. These are baby steps in prayer. You see, here what, what, now, they're not wrong. I'm not saying you don't pray about these things. That's not what I'm saying. But you see, one of, the, one, one of the first steps is that I begin, uh, uh, one of the first baby steps is I begin to bargain with God. I set the terms of how I will relate to him, as if it's up to us, you know. Now, some of us realize it's not up, but I begin to, this is not a good thing, you know, this is not a good thing where, we're, you know, we begin to lay out these terms for God, you know. Do you ever think perhaps God would be more pleased if our request focused more on spiritual gains? If we prayed for stronger faith? If we prayed and asked God to purify our thoughts? If we asked him to straighten out our attitude? If we asked him to give us patience in hardship that we're going through? Or if we, if we asked that He would help us to love those that we really find difficult to love. Or if we would pray that we would have more sensitivity to His leading. Or to give me an increased commitment to service. You see, we need to move deeper in our praying. Now look at verse 22, because what you see in verse 22 is Jacob gets just a little bit steadier here on his spiritual feet. In verse 22, he refers to, to, the, to the Lord, you know, to God as Lord, Yahweh, that more personal name for God. He moves from seeing him just as, you know, as Elohim, this, you know, this generic guy, Bethel, the house of God, You know, and didn't know you went to Bethel College, did you? But but that's what it is. It's you know that house of God, and because what was he what was he doing at that moment? What he was doing? What did he say? This rock will be your house. In other words, what he was saying is, you're the God of right here. You're the God of right here, where I'm leaving, where I'm walking away from. And by the time he's working down to the end of this prayer, and now he's, now he is referring, he is referring to God, you know, as, as Yahweh. That personal name for God. Now later, Jacob's gonna realize just how much Yahweh is guiding his life. He doesn't quite get the fuller picture at this point. He will. But part of his bargaining here, you know, with God shows a bit that he's understanding God a bit more. Because notice what he says. He says, Jacob says, you know, that if God meets all these requirements, he says, then I will give you a tenth. Notice what he says. Of all that you gave me. Of all that you gave me. What he's beginning to see here. You know, he doesn't have a relationship with God, but he realizes a couple of things that, that you know, that some people never realize. You know, first of all, he knew that a relationship with God had to affect his living if it was real. That if his, if his, if this relationship with God was real, it had to affect his living. You see, so a tithe was in order. Giving that 10% was in order. Why? Because if God is real, it has to affect the living and he real, he's beginning to realize this. He's beginning to understand it. It was I remember wrestling through this just a little bit. You know, it, it, well, the tithe is another story wrestling through that with God. But I remember wrestling with this. It's going to affect my life because one of the things I thought of, you know, is if I come into this relationship with Christ, I'm not going to have any friends because the friends I had at that point weren't inclined to do religious things. Let's put it that way, you know. We weren't inclined to do religious things. That is not what we did together. You know, these were the guys that we went partying with. These were the guys that, you know, we stole things with. These were the guys that, you know, we just did... Mayhem with I like those all state commercial whatever whatever commercial it alls and mayhem's there oh, you know that was us we were the guy under the seat going bzz, bzz, you know and uh, but the you, know, you know this is they weren't in, and I thought I can't come into this relationship with God like you're talking about because I'm not going to have any friends these guys aren't going to want to do this you know this 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 thing with me you know and, and, and but uh, because I was beginning to realize. That if I was going to have the relationship with God, it had to affect, it had to affect my living. Jacob also realizes here that he knew everything came from God. He knew it all came from God, not from his own efforts. And and because of that, a tithe was a proper response. (coughs) You know, people at this, at, at this time, people viewed everything they had as a result of some deity. You know, they didn't always attribute it to, you know, to the true God, but it was a result of some deity, and that's why they would have all of these idols and all of these things, you know, because they needed to have a piece of the proper God, and that's why Paul comes across, and when he talks, when he's talking to the people of, uh, was it Athens? And he's talking to them, and he says, "I, I see you got this, I see you got this, you know, this statue, this thing, to an unknown God. Let me tell you about this unknown God. Because you see, they wanted to make sure all the bases were covered. You know, now today we do the opposite. We do the, we do the total opposite. We think, uh, we think everything we have is because of our own effort. And we leave God out of it. You see, we just, we flipped the opposite. But here, you know, he, Jacob began to, you know, he began to realize everything he had was God's. You see, the baby step that begins to make a huge difference is when I yield to God. This is the baby step that begins to make a huge difference. When I yield to God, it doesn't mean that I do less. That isn't what it means. It doesn't mean that I do less. It means that I get serious. It means that I apply myself more. Jeff York got a new knee about a month ago. You know, it was on a Monday and I went to the hospital, you know, and I prayed with them and and you know, so they take him in, knock them out, cut out. Do you remember it by the way you do i mean i you I know you remember I was there. do you remember anything in the operating room? yeah cause, see they couldn't put him under because of his breathing problems, so they had to kind of like give him this conscious sedation stuff a little bit. And he says, "I don't want to hear the saw." Well, I don't blame you. Uh, so anyway, they, they give him this new knee on a Monday. The following Sunday, he's—he's—you uh, know—he was in church. He was sitting back in one of these corners, and, and he's there. And, you know, he's limping, he's hobbling, he's walking with a cane. I thought he was doing real well. You know, so I, I was talking to Jeff, and he told me the doctor told him he wasn't far enough along. And I thought, oh. Huh. Oh, I thought he was doing really well. You know, the doctor said, he, "You know, the doctor told him he, that he wasn't where he should be by now. The doctor wanted him to work harder. The doctor wanted him to focus more intentionally on getting stronger. The doctor wanted him to focus on walking better." You see, when I when I realize and I begin to, it doesn't mean we do less. It means we, it means that we apply ourselves more. If my children were still wobbling and you know, and toddling along, I would know that there was something wrong. We're supposed to grow beyond wobbling and toddling along. See, this is a thing for us. God's people grow beyond first steps. We grow beyond first steps. If you are stuck, if you are stuck on these first steps of faith, you are not far enough along. It's not that it's not that you should that, you know that you should, that these things are bad they're not bad it's just not where you get stuck it's not where you stay get beyond get, get you know get get beyond seeing God you know with these first steps get beyond seeing him through others faith and get to know him and pursue him more yourself as you become aware of God's word let it begin to transform your living Let it begin to guide you, to direct you. You know, if you know He's always with you, start to follow His lead instead of your own emotions, instead of your own feelings, instead of your own ideas. Begin to follow Him. Stop trying to make bargains with God. He is God. You are not. He is the one who has that picture. Yield to God more often. And in more areas of your life. Put in the work to grow beyond the first steps. Let's pray.